todo el mundo. Welcome to the Rock and Roll Nightmares podcast. I'm your host, Stacey Lane Wilson, author of the Rock and Roll Nightmares book series and director of the documentary The Ventures, Stars on Guitars. This is your destination for all things rock, where the interviewees include musicians, authors, historians, filmmakers, and more. And now, on to the show. My guest today is Tony Zimmerman, owner of Knuckle Bones, a successful company that creates officially licensed high-end collectibles for rock music fans. This includes apparel and statuettes, but it goes way beyond that. There's also 3D vinyl, handcrafted beers, and more. Knuckle Bones creates licensed memorabilia for Pink Floyd, Queen, Alice Cooper, Metallica, Ozzy Osbourne, ACDC, Iron Maiden, Kiss, Scorpions, Black Sabbath, and Guns N' Roses, to name only a few. Tony's dad was the manager of the Kennedy Center Concert Hall, so he got to see every great rock concert event that came through Washington, D.C. So we're going to talk about all that and more. Without further delay, let's get Tony on the line. Hi, Tony. Welcome to the Rock and Roll Nightmares podcast. Hi, Stacy. How are you? Doing good. I'm really glad to talk to you. And, you know, first of all, congratulations on the 20th anniversary of Knuckle Bones. Um, yeah, I'd love to know how it all started and uh, which bands were the first to come on board. 20, so 20, 20 years ago. So the first the first uh, project that Knuckle Bones did 20 years ago was Randy Rhodes. The great Randy Rhodes of yes. Ozzy Osbourne. And um we decided that uh, the high-end collectibles category didn't have anybody really focusing on music, and we wanted to create a company around that. Then the hard part is you've got the entire world of of music. Where do you start something like that? That's going to be a, hopefully an ongoing concern, and you know, making things for music super fans. So we thought long and hard about it and we arrived at Randy Rhodes because you, you would think oh, if you're going to do this, well, you know, you're, you would maybe start with just one of the big, big classic bands. And, you know, we, we probably could have done that, but the, the issue is if you have success and, you know, you did the Beatles or the Stones or, or whatever, you, you might have success creating a high end collectible 
statue simply because it was, you know, that band. Uh, so we thought Randy would be a good place to start. We knew Randy had a really passionate following and nothing had been created for him like that. Uh, and uh, we thought that was a good place to start. And Randy's fans came out in, in droves. And here we are 20 years later. Wow. So did you work with his family on that, the estate? Or how does that work when you're making um, a action figure, I guess, for lack yeah, of a yeah. better word, Collect of someone who's deceased? Yeah. Collectible statue is what we, we say. <laughs> um, the uh, Yeah. Everything that Knucklebones has done and will ever do is officially licensed. So we work directly with an estate like, you know, it was Randy's family in that case or with you know the band management or in some cases big companies like universal music and sony and live nation and things like that but it's always officially licensed and the artist or their management has to agree uh, for everything that we do so i went and met mrs rhodes actually at the musonia school where she was still teaching mm-hmm. at the time and we i had a meeting at five o'clock and her uh her four o'clock uh piano lesson had gone a little bit long so I had to wait for the piano lesson to finish before I could sit down with Mrs. <laughs> you were treated to music at least right yeah, yeah, a little exactly. entertainment. yeah yeah wow well um I worked in the horror and sci-fi entertainment fields for a long time so I'm familiar with McFarlane toys and some of the other mm-hmm. groups that do you know horror icons like Pinhead and Freddy and all those um so mm-hmm. you said that there really wasn't anything for rock collectibles when you started in terms of the statuettes. Um, so when did you start to see a demand or did you kind of create it through knuckle bones? Well, it, it's, you know, I, all of those things you mentioned, you know, I owned a bunch of McFarland stuff and had been a fan of horror collectibles and, uh, you know, toys and action figures in the figure category of my entire life. So what I knew was that, you know, music super fans are certainly no less passionate than, you know, somebody who loves the Universal Monsters or the uh, the Pinhead character or any of those. Yeah. And there was, you know, plenty of companies doing things for pop culture, TV, film, horror, comics, but nobody really focused on music. Now, McFarland did do some, you know, various artists and did a really good job with it but you know it was like most companies they will do a thing or two and it's not going to be something focused on music and you know those companies are maybe not going to take a shot and make something for randy rhodes or candle mass or you know thin lizzy or you know bands that were super popular have huge fan bases but aren't you know, necessarily the household name or right. somebody, a, a bigger company might consider, you know, Hey, this is a big money maker. Uh, you know, we're, we're a business. We, we have to make money to do what we do, but you know, we, we go at it a little, a little differently. And they are limited editions, correct? Mm-hmm. Everything's been limited. We've never made more than 3000 of anything for, um, for our limited editions, there were a couple instances where we've made things specifically for a specific uh, artist or tour. So an uh, example would be the, when Roger Waters toured for The Wall in 2012 through 14. 
um, we made a collectible statue of, of the wall that was specifically for the tour. You had to be part of the VIP program and the tour to get it. Okay. I see you also create 3d vinyl. Now, what is that exactly? So 3d vinyl happened. Um, we had been in business for a long time, probably 14 years at that point. And, uh, we're guilty. We're, we're in our silo here and just always working to get the next knuckle bones collectible out. And we're not out and about meeting with fans as much as we should, just because we're so busy. And we had an occasion, we had a knuckle bones uh, launch event. And then we went to the big trade show in New York called toy fair, which is like the biggest toy and collectible show. But what I heard, what we heard in like back to back was, you know, Oh, I love this band the work you do in the rock icons category, which is the figures. It's so amazing. I love this band, but I'm never going to buy any of it. And I'm, I'm like, Oh, sorry. What was the last thing you said? Uh-huh. <laughs> it was like, everything's Mixed messages. What? what? And they're like, I just not into the figure category and never bought any kind of action figure or, you know, GI Joe, Barbie bobblehead, nothing. I never will. I don't have a place to display it. I just don't get it. So we heard that. And then I heard it again uh, from a couple of buyers that we've got fans just, you know, they're not into the figures category. And we're like, we need to fix that. So we just started thinking of what does every rock fan do? They've obsessed over their album art, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And we just thought, well, what if we did a collectible based on that? And it's, you know, it's now great album art dictating it and you could even wall mount it if you want and we had those same conversations it's like okay now that's cool it's not a figure i don't have to have a place to display it i can put it on the wall and i already have you know my gold record collectible or you know i've framed my album art already so we just took that the next step and made it you know a collectible statue that can be that 12 by 12 format that comes right out of the wall. And we just, we just announced uh, the ghost 3d vinyl, which is doing really well, a really good that subject. Looks amazing. Yeah. I, I browsed that on your website. Really cool. Yeah. That launched last uh, Friday. Well, I reeled off a whole bunch of iconic names in your intro. You work with so many of the top bands. Um, now, how does it work when you're creating their likenesses? Do you hire freelance artists or are they in-house? And does the subject of the figure or their estate have a lot of input on how the finished product will look? Or do they just trust your artistic vision and you have free reign? Today, we have more free reign because we've been doing it for 20 years. And most people can see that you know we take, a good, we take good care of the art, the image and likeness, and take it very seriously. Um, but everything's designed here. I'm the creative director. I design everything and we have our sculptors that, that sculpt. Um, as far as the artist input, um, like I say, we have more free reign these days. What we will do though, is we will identify if it's an artist that's been around, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, we will generally just have a conversation to say, Hey, is there any era that's off limits? You know, did you not like a specific area or is there an area you want us to focus? Mm-hmm. You know, Metallica wanted us to focus on the band now. So that was that conversation. We're going to be working on a set for uh, this is 
this breaking news. This conversation just happened. Yesterday. Okay. So uh, we're going to be doing a, uh, a statue set for the U2 uh, Sphere uh, launch this fall. Nice. Uh, and in, in that case, the band, it's Octune Baby themed. So we're going to be doing Octune Baby era for uh for you too so that's bono in the the bug glasses edge oh, yeah. with the edge with the beanie and the cutoff shirt tops really kind of sticklers we want we don't we do posed statues as in it's not something that you would do and you know it's come in with a photo shoot we want it to look like a live piece if you see it and we light it well enough at a glance, you might think, oh, there's a, you know, a live picture I haven't seen. We want it to be a live moment on stage. And, and you also have some other really unusual subjects or subjects that, you know, wouldn't normally be thought of um, commonly, like the Black Sabbath witch from the album cover or the Pink Floyd pig on the crate. So um, uh, I'd love to know more about those. So, yeah, witchy poo is the same, uh, you know, we've kind of come full circle on the 3d vinyl thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the first Sabbath album is so iconic that to do something 3d vinyl for that, the, you know, just having the witch, you know, protrude slightly out of a 2d plane, just the way that is set up. Wasn't the best uh, subject for that kind of format. So we thought she'd be, you know, she's more iconic and would be better just as a full, statue so that was the the thinking that was the thinking there and then we could have some fun with the the portrait because you really can't see it very well yeah on, on the record so we had some some fun with a a beautifully evil young lady <laughs> she is so do the musicians and bands come with you to to you with ideas do they come to you with their ideas or is it the other way around people that you're already licensed do you ever approach them and say hey i've got this great idea let's try this it 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 can happen both ways like i say more recently it's it's more about hey we're you know the band is doing this or there's a re-release of this album can we focus on this era Mm-hmm. And then they and then they kind of leave it to us. Now they they see everything we do before we produce it and have to approve it. So when when something comes out, the band's happy with it, and we're happy with it, and that's that's all we can do ultimately. And then the fans decide whether they like it or not. Well, I'm gonna go back in time a little bit since your dad was the manager of the Kennedy Center Concert Hall. It seems like you got a lot of perks. Um, Who were some of the best (laughs) bands that you got to see performing in their prime? Oh my goodness. That's, that's a tough one. I I got to see the only reason that I have a hole in the resume, you know, missing a band uh, would be, you know, I had something going on in grade school or high school, you know, a baseball game or something like mm-hmm. that, you know, or I couldn't drive yet that I didn't have, a, you know, a, a cousin or, or, you know, an older kid to go to if it was another venue. Now, if it's at the Kennedy Center, I just went into work with my dad and hung around backstage. So that was I got to see lots of amazing stuff and I was too little to go out in the seventies dope smoking audience. (laughs) So (laughs) I would sit on the stage behind the stacks. So 
back then they're not hanging sound like they can now. And, you know, the stage is really clean and high tech back then. They just bring in those huge cabinets and stack them on either side of the stage. And I would sit like right behind that. So the I'm audience glad you really, can hear me to answer my question. I, I, I <laughs> the, the, the volume on the right headphone is turned way up. Oh man. Well, in your, um, little press release that uh, was sent to me to prep with. I saw a band's name that I hadn't seen in ages, Mahogany Rush. I mean, that's like- Frank Marino. So you that's saw a, that's some really story. cool- uh, Oh, and I love Frank. I love Frank Marino to this to this day. He's the he's the godfather. Um, and that that's, that's actually a good story. So from the time I was really early, you know, I was- into you know heavier and progressive bands typically more than your average nine-year-old and uh my dad you know picked up on this and he would come and say uh hey have you ever heard of this band called iggy and the stooges and i'd say i love iggy pop (laughs) how about uh flo and eddie or uh let's see what's this other band here todd rundgren utopia and i'm like i love todd Rund-. anytime i said i loved something he would not book it he would turn it down and the way the kennedy center works is you, you can't just do that and say well this isn't appropriate for the kennedy center it kennedy center has to promote you know artistic diversity it's a publicly funded thing so he couldn't just say well it's not appropriate what he would do is say well that that is a more you know raucous rock crowd mm-hmm. it's a da- it's a danger to the facility so he could <laughs> oh, no. he could get away with that so i figured out what he was doing and he comes in and says hey i wanted to ask you have you ever heard of queen kansas or frank marino and mahogany rush and i'm like you know i know what he's up to and i'm like oh, what was the last one again he's like frank marino like, nah i never heard of any of them so he he books them and you know three months later or whatever it's saturday and i'm like dad i want to go to work with you i wouldn't normally have to go it's the weekend he's like how come i'm like well queen's playing right and he's like yeah i thought you said you didn't know anything about them i'm like well you know since then you know the record dropped on the radio and of course i was <laughs> i had all the records and sheer hot attack had just dropped so he's he's got this panicked look on his face. So he calls the box office ahead of us going in and he's like, so what are sales for tonight? And they're like, Oh, this was an immediate sellout. And he's like, what's security? And they're like, just normal security. And he's like, Oh my God, you need to call the park service and have the mounted police. Cause gate crashing was a thing back then. This was 75, I think. Mm-hmm. And Kennedy center is just this big open you know, atrium to the concert hall. So you know, it's just velvet ropes. It's not like there's a door you have to go through or like a typical venue. So he's worried about, it's a sold out show, super popular band. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, had to have the mounted police there and everything. And uh, so, yeah, I got to see Frank, Frank Marino had to walk right by me to go on stage. I would go out before, before the house lights would go down, the stagehand would take, a chair out, set it behind the stack. And the deal was you can't move until you get the all clear, you know, from the stagehand to, to come back off. Don't get in the way. 
And that was the deal. Don't, don't ban, if they don't complain about you, you're not in the way. But it's, Any kind of mishaps with a band that turned out to be very popular that wasn't, you know, anything expected with the crowds? And uh, Well, the Queen show actually, uh, they came in and they had uh, not much of a stage show yet. They had their own light rigging, which was kind of, you know, unique, typically used whatever the venue had. But they had this thing, uh, it's a fog machine, it's called Fog Juice. Mm-hmm. And there's there's two kinds of those things. Being around film, you would probably you know this. So the dry ice machine generates lots of uh, fog, but it it has a tendency to rise and you know just get in the way and cover the performers. Uh, fog yeah, juice, like the Spinal Tap moment. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Fog juice, you know, will stay lower, and it's like more of a filmmaking tool, mm-hmm. but it. Uh, has uh, it's a resin based thing it's kind of like an oil and it will get all over you know equipment now queen's not worried about their equipment but kennedy center has the you know the amazing pipe organ at the back of the stage so he saw that and it's like get that shit out of here because that will you know that will goof up the pipe mm-hmm. organ here yeah and you know cause a lot of a lot of damage so they said no problem and they switched it out for sound check. But then when the show came back, they put the fog juice machine back in and uh, yeah, it caused the, the entire pipe organ to be dismantled and have to be cleaned. It costs like, I think $25,000. Oh my gosh. Wow. That's like, that's 1975 money. So <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, I hope Queen was worth it. Was, this, needless to say, the old man didn't uh, didn't ask my opinions about, <laughs> right. about stuff anymore. He's afraid I'd sandbag him. Oh my gosh! Well, um, I want to wrap up now, but I want to know where fans can find your website and social media, and how can they get their hands on these beautiful collectibles? Just you got to know one word: knuckle bones. Knuckle like your hand, and b o n z like zebra. Knucklebones.com. Mm-hmm knucklebones on ig knucklebones on twitter knucklebones on facebook and coming soon to tiktok we'll get there um well thank you for being on the show tony it was great to learn more about you and your collectibles and uh wish you all the best of luck and happy 20th anniversary thanks very much this concludes another episode of the rock and roll nightmares podcast remember there's a book series too all the books are available in paperback, ebook, and audio via Amazon or the Rock and Roll Nightmares website. That's R O C K N R O L L Nightmares.com. Our official theme song is She's Out for Blood by Fuzzbuster, founded by Lars Cabot. Thank you for listening.